is here for the first time at JCC? Jakarta Central Church. Anybody here for the first time? Uh, oh, Brother Jeff, you, oh, you're not here. All right. I saw you raising your hand. So I was, I was wondering. I said, first time? Oh, this is a new experience. Okay. My brother right here. My, uh, um, my brother right here is here for the first time. Can you please stand, my brother, and just say hello to, to the church? Yes, yes. This is uh, my good friend right here, William. We've been talking for over two years. And today I said, hey, brother, why don't you come to church with me? And he said, Pastor, I'm going to be there. He was going to play basketball, you know what I mean? But he said, Pastor, since you invited me to come to church, I'm going to come. What do we say, church? And when you see William today, please shake his hand, you know what I mean, so that he can come back. You know what I mean? Amen and amen. The bread of affliction, that is what we're going to consider today. In this month of December, we will not be using a series theme. We are just going to give you inspiration that God is giving us, Sister Pat. So you better be praying for us because the Lord might inspire us to say whatever, however. You know what I mean? Because sometimes when we're using a series theme, we have to be focused and specific. But talking to the man of God, Pastor Sam, he said, hey, man, let's be a little more free the month of December. So come to church, be blessed, and just hear what God has to say to you. Don't worry, you're going to be saved. Because if it's the word of God, you're going to be saved. Amen, somebody. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse number 1 to 8. Kindly read, kindly stand with me because I want to read that passage together with you. Deuteronomy 16, 1 to 8. Please stand with me for the reading of the scripture. And yes, please just remember to pray for Pastor Sam and the family. They are suffering COVID. I know a few others are also going through COVID. Brother Sutarsa and others, COVID has hit them. So please pray for them. They are in affliction. Deuteronomy 16, verse 1 to 8. Can I read? Can I read? All right, let's do this. Observe the month of Aviv and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the, in the month of Aviv, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Good things can happen in the night sometimes. <clears throat> And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no unleavened, no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat, eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. That all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. Praise God for coming out. Amen, somebody. No leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory for seven days. Nor shall any of the flesh that you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain all night until morning. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you but at the place that the lord your god will choose to make his name dwell in it there you shall offer the passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset at the time you came out of egypt they came out at night remember that and you shall cook it and eat it at the place the lord your god will choose and in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents 
Verse number 8, the last verse. For six days, almost sounds like the Sabbath. For six days you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. One more time for emphasis, verse 3. You shall eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread. Watch this. The bread of affliction. That's where I got the title. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when the Lord your God, when the Lord, when the day when you came out of the land of Egypt, the bread of affliction, the bread of affliction. Let us pray. Father God, it's your moment. Do with it as you wish. I'm only a mic. Please use me for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's happened to me. I know it's happened to you. You pull up or open up an app on your computer. You're busy working. Then it crashes. You reboot it. You restart it. Then it crashes and crashes and crashes. Now you're wondering, should I crash my computer or not? Now you're wondering, <laughs> should I get rid of this thing or not? Last Thursday, I was working on the sermon, Sister Yannette. And my Bible study app crashed on me. I rebooted it again. But then it crashed again and again. And again, Lord, I'm about to preach for you. Why is this app getting in the way? Affliction visits without an appointment. Elderivo, affliction does not set up an appointment. Affliction does not send you a friend request. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 1 to 8, the people are being invited to celebrate affliction it sounds strange to say celebrate affliction who celebrates when they have lost their investment on crypto who celebrates when they have had a miscarriage who celebrates when they have been in an accident who celebrates when they have been fired who celebrates when they have broken up who celebrates when they have been in divorce? But yet in the text before us, uh, we are being invited to celebrate affliction. Uh, many of us have developed certain mental models for dealing with affliction. And let me tell you about them real quick. Uh, some of us, we take the complaining model. This should not be happening to me. Some of us take the I hate God model. God, I hate you. How can you do this to me? I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I'm your, I'm, I'm your servant. I've been, I've been doing this for you, Lord. I've been investing. How can you do this to me? I hate you, God, for making me lose my kid. I hate you, God, for making me lose my family. I hate you, God, for making me lose my wife. I hate you, God, for making me lose my life. Some of us, we, we, we take the good God approach. 
And we say, if a good, if God is good, then I should not go through bad. If God is good, then I should not go evil. If God is good, then things should always be sweet and nice. But today I want you to consider another model. The affliction celebration model. You see, when you look at the text today, the theme of celebration is key. It begins by saying, observe the Passover in the month of Abib to the Lord your God. The month of Abib was, was springtime and it will be equivalent to our April and March. Like Christmas, Sister Timmy, uh, the Passover was the premier celebration for the people of Israel because it celebrated the exodus. The exodus was a turning point in the life of the nation of Israel. You see, the exodus was a time when they exited out of Egypt. Now, many of us look at Egypt and we only think of it as a country. But when you look in the dictionary, Sister Icha, is that you find that Egypt is not only a name of a country, but Egypt is also a common noun, which means affliction. In the Hebrew, it's Mitzrayim. And the Bible is saying they came out from Mitzrayim. They, they came from affliction. Another definition for Egypt is narrowness. A place that squeezes you. But God brought them out of what was squeezing them. Of what was making them narrow. He brought them out. And through the Passover they said thank you Jesus. Because you have brought us out. Thank you Jesus that we can reclaim our dignity. Thank you Jesus that we can now look at ourselves as people. We celebrate and we want to forget the affliction. Today there is such a thing as divorce parties. I do, I did, I'm done. People celebrate divorce. And there is one rule at a divorce party. Don't talk about the affliction of your former spouse. That's gone. Don't think about the past. Don't think about the hurt. Don't think about how bad they did you. Don't think about how they cheated on you. Don't think about how much they messed you up. Forget it. Move on. But in the Passover, affliction took center stage. Affliction was the celebrity. Affliction, affliction was the thing that invited them to celebrate. And I want you to see it. Check this out. The Bible says God telling the Israelites... Offer the sacrifice. Uh, they had to take an animal, Jeremy, and slice the neck. They started out with blood. That doesn't sound like a party to me. Not only did they kill an animal, but then they, they had to eat it. Eat the animal, not with nasi goreng. They ate the animal with unleavened bread. 
Unleavened bread is like pita bread. It's flat. Some of you don't like flat bread. When, when you go to, to Le Jour, you're, you're looking for that bread with cheese on top. You know, you know the one when you eat, it, it melts in your mouth. <laughs> the one that you say to the one you love, please, when you pass by Pacific Place, buy me that roti. That, that, you know that one? I like it. Bring it home for me. The one with chocolate inside. That, that's the one that I want. Unleavened bread was not like that. It was a flat bread. And when you go to Exodus chapter 12, you discover that the people had to eat flat bread with bitter herbs. Scholars try to throw out theories about what this bitter herbs was, but it was the kind of vegetable that if you saw it at the table, you decided to pass it by. The type of vegetable when you went to the house and somebody saying, please eat this, you say, no, nah, I think I already had enough vegetables. It was a kind of, it was a kind of food that you did not want to, to eat, but yet this is what they had to eat. And no wonder, no wonder Moses says it was the bread of affliction. Because as they're eating this roasted barbecued lamb, they're eating it with unleavened bread. It's flat. It's not tasty. And it's, 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 it's bitter. And as they're eating it, they're remembering life in Egypt. And they had to celebrate it for seven days. On Sunday, they remembered that a woman had to, 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 to look for work to be a nanny for her own son, Moses. On, on, on Monday, they remembered... How Pharaoh used to slap them on the back for not meeting the quota for the day. As they ate it on Tuesday, they remembered how the Egyptians made them feel like there were no people. And as they ate it on Wednesday, they remembered how they lost some of their loved ones because they were in Egypt. On Thursday, another horrible memory came. On Friday, another horrible memory came. It was not the kind of food that you'd want to eat. And God was able to achieve it. He was able to remind them of how bad things were. He was able to let them know that you had a, a hard, hard time. If a psychologist was looking at God, a psychologist would say God is violating the mental health of his own people. Because how can you make your people remember how life was? Uh, shouldn't you move on, God? <laughs> Why are you bringing them back to where life was? So this text is like how some of us are. We, we are good historicists. We remind people of the sins that they did. And last year, remember? You did that. You said, remember last year? You didn't buy me a gift on my birthday. Remember last year? You and your, your family. You know how they did to me? Remember last year when I was at the hospital? You never came to see me? But, but, but why did God make it a point to tell them, look, you've got to eat the bread of affliction. You see, God was trying to let them know that where you are now is not where you used to be. Amen for you. How it was then is not how it is now. Because they ate the bread of affliction, not in the borders of Egypt. They were eating the bread of affliction within the territory of Israel. 
they were remembering we were in affliction we were in narrowness we were in disease we were facing death every day but God has brought us from there and he has put us here he took us from a bad place and he put us in a good place and now we want to remember how good God has been and so now as they are eating this bread of affliction they are not sad they are not angry they are happy in fact they allow their saliva to blend the meat and to blend the bread and to blend the bitter herbs into a shake and they're celebrating what God has done. Let me put it to you, child of God. You can celebrate affliction if you can see where God has led you. Amen, somebody. A fan and an AC, they do one thing. They're cool. That's how they are related. But you know what the difference is between a fan and an AC? An AC focuses on one location. It focuses on one point. But a fan, it dances everywhere. It looks that side. It looks this side. It looks that side. It looks this side. And that's somebody today, when you're facing affliction, you look at your affliction, you look at the promises of God, you look at your debt, you look at God can provide, you look at your marital problems, you say, God gives me love. You look at your, your failing grades, you say, God give me wisdom. And you're dancing between the affliction and God, the affliction and God. And therefore you're not stable, you're shaky. Crying every day. Wondering, God, can you change my life? God, can you do something for me? When God is saying, be an AC, don't focus on your affliction. Focus on me. Don't focus on what's bad. Look at me. Blow on me. Put your energy on me. Don't be a fan. Dancing this way and dancing that way. And I know you Indonesians, you like ACs because I don't see a lot of fans out here. So you get it. When it's hot, you turn that AC. It cools you because a fan doesn't do it. A fan doesn't stop it. And brother and sister, if you can be an AC, God will change your situation because he'll realize that when you are like an AC, it means that you're focusing on him and you're able to see his resume. And through the bread of affliction, the people of Israel were able to see, wait a minute, God delivered us out of Egypt. God saved us. He took us out. He delivered us. He blessed us. He took us to the place where we would never be. And so you are facing debt. Don't focus on the debt. Look at God who provides. You are sick. Don't look at your sickness. Look at God who heals. You don't have wisdom. You don't know how to handle it. Don't look at your lack of wisdom. Look at God who can handle it. You don't know what to do. That's okay because God knows what to do. And so, brother and sister, you always have to read your affliction with the resume of God. Resume of God. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. So today, stop saying, ah, what do, what do, what do I do? No. Stop saying, but do I? I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the word of scripture. I'm going to read the word of God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust God because God can do something for me. Perhaps it doesn't hit you yet. So let me try it in this other angle. You see, there was a process to eating the bread of affliction. 
they had to first kill the lamb. And then they ate the bread of affliction. It's going to get good in a minute. And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd. And then you shall eat the bread of affliction. Uh, watch this. Please don't miss this. The lamb died. The lamb lost its life. But they only suffered affliction by eating bread. <laughs> Did you get it? The lamb lost its life. But they only got a bread, bread of affliction. They only ate a bad meal. <laughs> but the lamb was dead. And to me, this dynamic of the Passover being killed and the bread of affliction being eaten defines what the gospel is. Because Jesus died, we only got affliction. Jesus lost his life. We only got affliction. Jesus stopped existing. We only got affliction. Because what God was trying to do through Jesus is give us an opportunity for eternity. Helping us to understand that with me, your life is going to get better. I don't know if I'm preaching to you yet, but please understand through Jesus, you've got an opportunity for eternity. Amen, somebody. And when I see my life, I see myself in a better place than where I used to be. Let me tell you, I used to be addicted to porn, but no more. You didn't know that, but that's the truth. Let me tell you, I used to worry about what people thought about me. I, I never thought I could be the popular kid. I was a kind of kid who could not speak in front of people, but that's what I used to be. And now I'm preaching to you because with Jesus, life gets better. Amen, somebody? And if you ain't tried Jesus yet, please do it today because your life will be different. I never visioned and dreamed to be in Indonesia, but here I am because I am not where I used to be. How it was then is not how it is now. That's why I can say with Paul, for a light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Oh, yeah. Once in a while, I'm afflicted by gossip. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Once in a while, I'm afflicted by deceit. I'm cheated on by, by people who come and fix stuff in my apartment. I ask them, how much is this? They tell me 300000 I'm like, I don't know, man. This don't sound like 300000 <laughs> Once in a while, I'm lost. But that's okay because that's a light moment. That's a small thing. Your situation, your struggle is a light affliction. I know it seems big to you. I know it feels too heavy for you, but please believe me, child of God. It's working out for you a far exceeding weight of glory. God is trying to give you strength. God is trying to give you power. God is trying to give you wisdom. And so celebrate the affliction. Embrace it. Embrace it. So always remember that when you're going through affliction, it's not where you were. It's where you are. And you're going to testify to that. There was a day you didn't have money. But now you don't even know what to do with the money in your bank account. There was a day when you were lonely. You're wondering if anybody loved you, if they wanted to marry you. But today you're married. You got kids running around you. 
there was a day when you didn't know if you're going to pass a class, but today you have a PhD next to your name and you're a doctor, Sister Audrey. Remember the struggle and the challenges, but where are you now? What has God done for you now? And perhaps God hasn't given you money. God hasn't given you kids. Your marriage is still messed up, but at least I know one thing God has done for you. He saved you. He died for you, and that's good enough. Amen, somebody. Now, you might tell me, Pastor, yeah, I like what you're preaching and everything, but uh, where I was then is how I am now. How it was then is how it is now. Things haven't really changed much in my life. My story is the same old, old story. It's the same old struggle. It's the same old challenge. I'm still facing debt and I'm still facing kids who misbehave. I'm still facing a disease that is ravaging my body. I still am lonely and I'm not married yet. I, I still don't have the money to even pay my bills. I still struggle with how to talk to my wife. I still struggle with how to handle my kids. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good student. I'm not a good friend. Pastor, where I was two years ago is how I am now. So what are you talking about? I need you to know that where you are now may function as a waiting room designed by God. <laughs> You're like, Pastor, I'm still waiting for you to make it good. I'm going to make it good. Where you are now, Sister Lydia, may function as a waiting room designed by God. Now, now I know you may not like that because... Like waiting at the terminal gate, you expect it only to be there for a short time. You expect it there to be there only for a short time, Sister Laura. You, you wanted it chapat, chapat, chapat. But it's, how do we say long in Bahasa? Lama. Suda Lama. It's already been a long time. You wanted the dating to last only a year, but it's five years. Dating the same person, wondering when is the ding ding and uh, the, the wedding bell going to come. Uh, you plan to be in the company for two years and then at, at, at six months you would progress to be regular, but it's three years and uh, it's still the same thing. No change. How is work? Sudalama, bro. Sudalama, sis. It's taking a long time. And yes, two years is a long time. Three years is a long time. In fact, for me, one hour is a long time. I need you to know, though, that the bread of affliction reminded the Israelites that their waiting time was over. Because there was a famine. And, and Jacob decided to relocate the family to Egypt. Because Joseph is a prime minister, his son, he sets him up in a prime real estate in Goshen. And in Goshen, they chill for a while, but you know that God called Abraham and the Israelites to live in the promise. And so eventually they, they wanted to go back. But they, when they wanted to go back, Pharaoh said, nah, don't go back. You are here. And he threw a noose on them. And so they planned to be there for a short time, but they ended up staying in, the prom in, in Egypt a place of affliction for 400 years. Ampat ratus tahun. 
hundred years. But God says to them, eat the bread of affliction to remember that waiting time ended. To remember that I do not keep you waiting forever. There comes a time when the end, the wait has to end. And here's a word for somebody. Waiting doesn't say something is wrong with you. It says God is up to something. I think only Elder Rivo is, is feeling this. Because you might wonder, God, I thought you speak the word into existence. I thought you can walk on water. Why do you need 400 years? Why do you need 400 years to keep us here? But what you need to understand is this. Is that in the promised land, there were Canaanites. There were Perizzites. There were Gergashites. And God did not want them to be killed. He was pleading with them. Begging them to turn and to change. And so after 400 years, God realized the Canaanites are not going to, to, to change anymore. They're not going to repent anymore. So I'm going to now bring the Israelites and remove the Canaanites because they no longer believe and trust in me. And so they never saw that. But God was up to something. And you may not see. Why do I got to wait all these years to have kids? I, I've been doing the IVF treatments. The miscarriages are piling up. I'm not promoted. I, my, my kids are, are not where they want them to be. I want them to be. I'm still struggling with my health. God, what is happening? Trust me, child of God, you never know. But one thing I do know, it's not because something is wrong with you. Amen. It's because God is working up. He's, he's up to something. God is doing something. But notice that when he's telling them to eat the bread of affliction, he says, you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. That all the days of your life, you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. God was not asking them to eat the bread of affliction because he was slow. But he was reminding them that when you came out of Egypt, it happened very, very fast. Because you need to understand that the, the unleavened bread, uh, some scholars say unleavened bread is chosen by God because leaven teaches about sin. And, and because, you know, when you put yeast in bread, it will affect the whole dough. But no, in the original context, unleavened bread was the food of choice. It was their go food when they're in a hurry, when they want to make a move, when they want to pack food in lunchbox. They never took a nice bread. They took unleavened bread. And so God is saying, eat the bread of affliction because I want you to remember that when you came out of Egypt, it happened in a hurry. Here it is for somebody. When it's your hour, God will change things in a hurry. Ah, you're not feeling that yet. When it's your time, it'll be so fast. You'll be scrambling to get your things and say, oh, it's time? Let's go. I didn't know it was today. God is saying, yeah, it was today. In fact, it was yesterday. Let, let, let's go. You'll be so surprised because God is not slow. God is fast. God is quick. When it's your hour, it will happen in a hurry. So if it's not happening, it simply means it ain't your hour. It ain't your time yet. So keep waiting. Keep trusting in the Lord because God will certainly do something. Unfortunately, Many of us treat God like drivers in Jakarta. Mm. 
Mm, I know you like that one. <laughs> you know drivers in Jakarta? They blow the horn just to blow the horn. <laughs> William is laughing because you know it's true. You're, you're driving sometimes. Right? And you're, you're, you're indicating that you're going to turn right. And you're turning right. But the driver behind you. I'm like, uh, 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 can I turn please? And that's where some of us are. God, my marriage. Beep, 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 beep. God, my kids. Beep, 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 God, my health. Beep, beep, beep. God, my house. Beep, beep. God, God. I was like, uh, can I do it for you? Can I be God in your life? Can I be the one controlling things in your life? Can you just be patient a little bit? And trust that I know what I am doing. Notice it so that you can be, you can be appreciative of what I'm telling you. Because when the firstborns of Egypt died, notice what the Egyptians did, Sister Lydia. They went to the Israelites and they said, look, go, please, go, leave now. In fact, the Bible says, and you got to catch this. This is beautiful. The Bible says, the Egyptians talking to the Israelites, we shall be dead. So the people... <laughs> The people took their dough before it was leavened. They took their dough before it was leavened. Their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. So check this child of God. On that night when they were delivered out of Egypt, the Israelites were about to make regular bread. They had kneaded their bread. They were about to make a seven course meal. But they didn't know that that night it was time to go. They didn't know that night it was time to get up out of there. They didn't know that that night it was exit time. So when God knows it's your hour, he will do it in a hurry. You'll be surprised. You'll be amazed. Child of God, take courage. Take confidence. God has your back. God knows what you're going through. God knows how long it has been. But when it's your time, it will happen in a hurry. Amen, somebody. Have faith. Believe. Trust. Hope. Stay courageous. I need you to know one more thing. Where you are now may show you are at the right location with God. You know, WhatsApp users like to share lock. Demana pastor. Bole kirim share lock. Can you send it, please? Because when you share a location, you're inviting somebody else into your space. When you share a location, Sister Laura, you, you want somebody to be where you are. Right now, I know that you're at the right location because your husband is next to you. That's what, amen. That's what a share location does. And I want you to see that in our text, God shared his location. Watch this. And you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd. Watch this. At the place. Again, in verse 5 to 6. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but at the place. Again, in verse 7. You shall cook it and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall go, you shall turn and go to your tents. Man, 
I read this and I said, God, you really like your location. Like you are all about space. And then I, I, I thought to myself, uh, Brother Jeff, I thought God can be in every place. Like, why is he so concerned about a place? You see, in the time of Moses, affectionately called the ancient East, God was worshipped anywhere. People worship God on the mountain. People worship God in the river. People worship God in the sky. People worshiped their corn. People worshiped their rice. Anything and everything was God. So God says, I want to remix that and replay that and give you a, a different concept. I am not a God who shares my place with anything or anyone else. If you want to love me and be with me, I want you to be at this location. Because God wanted the Israelites to always be in step with him. <laughs> Sister Pat, he wanted them to be in step with him. They were to move together. They were to think together. They were to plan together. They were never to live life separated from God. So listen to me, child of God. When you suffer affliction, it doesn't mean you're lost. It means you're at the right place or right location with God. Amen, somebody? It means that God is right there. God has not left you. God has not abandoned you. God has not divorced you. God has not ended things with you. He is at the same location. And hear this, child of God. When you're going through affliction and you're eating the bread of affliction, whatever it may be, that is food for giants. Mm. <laughs> you see, God doesn't want you to be weak. God doesn't want you to be a wimpy Christian. God doesn't want you to be shaken by an earthquake, even though it shakes you. God doesn't want you to be shaken when you, 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 your, your plans for the day have been messed up. Because some of us, when our plans have been messed up for the day, we become stressed. We lose ourselves. God doesn't want that to happen. God doesn't want you to wonder if they love you or they don't care about you if they didn't call you that day. God wants you to be stable. And so a lot of times, he will say, eat the affliction because I want to nourish your faith muscles. Eat the affliction because I want to nourish your faith ligaments. Eat the affliction because I want to nourish your faith nerves. So that you can handle it. You can be strong. You can be powerful. Because he who is in you is greater than the one who is outside of you. Do you know that? That the God you serve is more powerful than you? The God you serve is more powerful than your boss? The God you serve is more powerful than your disease? The God you serve is more powerful than the person who said, I don't like you no more? The God you serve is more powerful than your debt? And so he's saying, I know you're suffering. You're going through pain, but let me strengthen you. I've not been running for a month now. In fact, I, I don't know when I'm going to run again because I have a problem on this knee. But I have found a way 
to still exercise and work on my abs. I know they're not yet there, but I'm working. I found a way to still be able to exercise and control my calories and my food intake and my, my output because I have bought bands. You know these exercise bands? I thought those things were for wimpies and weak people. But man, I bought a set of them at Cocos and hey man, the, 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 the least resistant band is, is even stronger than me. But because of using the bands, I, I've noticed something different. I won't do it here, but sometimes when I go in the mirror, I say, oh, okay, I like you. I look, I, uh, you look good, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. All right. I look at my leg muscles. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, wow, that's powerful. In affliction, God helped me to find another way to still be able to exercise and grow stronger even though what I normally do, I can no longer do. What is it that you cannot do today? What has made you weak today? What has lessened your power today? Child of God, please believe that God wants to give you another way. And it's often through your affliction that the other way is going to come. Amen, somebody? I told you, I'm ending it on this. In Canaan, God was worshipped everywhere. Everywhere. But God says, I want you to worship me here. Don't worship me everywhere. Worship me here. Everywhere you can find a God. A God of the tree. A God of the mountain. A God of the valley, a God of crops. Those gods are limited gods because they can only do one thing. But I, I am everything. I made the trees, I carpeted the grass, I elevated the mountains, I leveled the valleys. And oh yeah, just in case you forgot, I formed you from the dust of the ground and I breathed into you the breath of life. So now, when God is saying, go to this one location, he's saying, are you going to choose me or are you going to choose a lesser God? Are you going to choose me or are you going to choose a lesser God? And that's the question I have for somebody today. Are you going to choose God or a lesser God? Are you going to choose the great God and Savior Jesus Christ or are you going to choose the gods of money, the gods of sex, the gods of, of, of connections, the gods of clothes, the gods of Instagram and Facebook, uh, the gods of those gods, they will die. Those gods cannot help you. But today will you say, I choose you, God, the great God and Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody who would like to do that? I choose God, the great God. Come on now. You, 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 you're raising your hands like you're not even choosing. Like, am I sure? Raise your hand. Let me see. Choosing God, the great God. And let me talk to somebody. You see, the great God 
is Jesus. He is a God who can change you. Where you are will not be where you will be if you choose him. And today you can say, God, I choose you. Jesus, I choose you. We are planning to have baptism the uh, second week before, before December ends. And you can say, you know what? I've never accepted Jesus. I've never chosen him. I, I want to choose him. I want to be baptized. I want to give my life to him. He is a great God because life with him gets better. Anybody like that? Say, I want to be baptized. I've never been baptized. I've never chosen a great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Never given my life over to him. Anybody? I want you to understand, each day you listen to the word of God, it's God saying, this is, the, this is the day. Today is the day, not tomorrow. Not nanti aja, sekarang. Make the decision today. Anybody who's saying, Jesus, I choose you. I want to be baptized. Give my life over to you. Because I realize that with you, where I am is not where I will be. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, we have learned that the bread of affliction teaches us that where we are is not where we used to be. And thank you for being faithful today, reminding us of that truth. There's a brother and a sister today who's struggling, afflicted, wondering what they will do, how life will go, uh, what they will do about the bills, what they'll do about the struggles. But Father, I pray today they may look at you as a God who is able to make a difference. A God who is able to change things. A God who is able to renew hopes. A God who is able to resurrect dead dreams. And Father, I pray that you'd impact us today. To believe that when it's bad, you are still good. To believe that when we are lost, we are really not lost. To believe that when we are waiting, we are really not waiting. You are up to something. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being kind. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.